Welcome to the Puck Pond Podcast. My name is Ahmed Gahari. I have here J.D. Kanungo. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Max Pacioretty trade, a.k.a. Patio Ready. Do you see the Vegas Knights on their Twitter feed? They also put Patio Ready. Yeah, they seem to be pretty excited about uh, getting Max Patio Ready. Yeah, I mean, he's ready line. for the patio. <laughs> First round of the playoffs doesn't matter. He wants to get off and, uh, you know, not win the game so he can get to the patio. So uh, basically the trade went down where Montreal traded to the Vegas Golden Knights, Max Pacioretty, for Thomas Tatar, Nick Suzuki, and a 2019 second-round pick. Montreal retains 10% of Max Pacioretty's salary, and the Golden Knights um, retain 500000 per year on Tatar's salary. So, um, so yeah, J.D., what's your initial thoughts on this deal? Well, you know, for me as uh, Canadians fan that sort of watched Pacioretty over the last, uh, well, really his whole career, uh, I think it was the right time to move him along. And so I was actually quite excited that the Canadians were able to trade him for uh, the package that they got. Um, I think if you look at Pacioretty over the last, uh, you know, year, two years, uh, you know, I mean, obviously we're not in the dressing room, but what you can see on him is that being the captain of the Canadians sort of wore on him, uh, particularly when the Canadians were losing and Pacioretty wasn't scoring after every game, the media was asking him questions and it really did become a, a very negative environment. Um, so last year when Bergevin at the end of the year talked about the Canadians having an attitude issue, um, I think a lot of it came down to the leadership and you know, ultimately the failed leadership of Max Pacioretty. And, you know, I think... For, oh, wow. Failed leadership? Well, yeah. I mean, I think the Canadians, uh, you know, 2017, they won the Atlantic Division. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people forget that. And so there were when they went to the first round against the New York Rangers, there's a lot of expectations. And they ultimately couldn't score goals. And that really did fall on Max Pacioretty. Um, and so, you know, he went into the summer. He got a new centerman albeit a miscast centerman and Jonathan Druin, much was expected. And uh, Petretti uh, went through a few scoring slumps and, you know, failed to muster 40 points. And uh, as a tough year, obviously, for Petretti going into a UFA year uh, this year, um, you know, and the Canadians sort of at a crossroads, I think it really was the right time to move Pacioretty along. He's he turns a- thirty in November. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the conventional wisdom these days is once you're over thirty, you're going downhill. And Vegas, he still has another year left, four point five million. And then Vegas signed him for a four year, seven million a year. So yeah. if you look at Montreal, that's until he's thirty five, and he already had a bad season last year. So isn't the conventional wisdom that you try to move on from those players and look yeah. on assets? I mean, I think if Mark Bergevin just locked up Max Pacioretty to a six, seven-year deal, which was rumored before Vegas came out uh, with the contract yesterday. But, you know, there's rumors that Pacioretty was looking for a long-term deal at big money. Um, there was rumors that he felt that the Canadians actually owed him because in his last contract, he only made about four, four and a half million cap hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and fair enough to him, he, he produced uh, at that contract value. He scored 30 to 40 goals a year um, during much of that deal uh but you know you have to you know you loyalty is one of the things in the sport that can sometimes burn you and you look at the bad contracts in the nhl right now they've been born out of loyalty to players that have performed in the past and i think you know it was quite 
prudent, I think, at this stage of the Canadians. Nobody has any false illusions that the Canadians are going to win the Stanley Cup. You look at their roster, they're very thin down center ice. You know, Philip Deneau is going to be, uh, you know, he's probably there. Well, Jonathan Drouin is going to be the number one center, but Philip Deneau is probably going to be the number two center. Um, that isn't really much center depth. They don't have uh, much scoring. I mean, and this is a big hole now. Now you took your basically your best forward, take yeah. him out, and you replace him with Thomas Tatar. And I don't know, you look at it, and Tatar is like around a 25-goal-a-year guy. And Pacioretty, you know, we could say he's 40 goals, but he's really like 35. So that's a 10-goal difference. So I think, you know, Tatar also, I don't know if you've been seeing the clips when he was in Detroit on the half wall in the power play with the one-timer. Yeah. He's got some kind of a cannon over there. For sure. And, and, uh, so he, and they need that to fill in for Pacioretty. So I think like he could fill in, but that's a big hole now for Montreal. In the yeah. I Wait, mean, or is it? Maybe well, I think it is. Actually. I, it's a hole, right? And they have to keep in mind that uh, the Canadians also lost Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, so Galchenyuk last year led the Canadians in scoring. He scored 30 goals uh, a couple of years right, ago. Right. So they basically lost their top two goal scorers from the last couple of years. Uh, so yeah, obviously a big hole. But but let's be frank here. The Canadians are not going to win games this year. Uh, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the Atlantic Division. The expectation is they're probably going to be uh, one of the lottery. I mean, everyone's in the lottery now, but they're going to be one of the probably bottom five teams in the NHL. So, um, yeah, was Thomas Tatar going to replace Max Pacioretty? I, I, don't, I mean, obviously he's not going to replace his output, but I think um, he's going to be, you know, if he can put up 20 goals, maybe the Canadians do get a draft pick by dealing him at the deadline. He's so you think there. the play is to trade him later? Or? Yeah, I do think he's a bit of a stopgap type of player. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe he is revitalized. And, you know, we've seen players like that before that sort of are at a little bit of a, um, you know, crossroads in their career where, you know, they were good players when they're younger and then they sort of plateaued. Maybe they do need a change in scenery. But I think that that is a bit optimistic. Uh, I don't think the Canadians have any exceptional expectations for um, Thomas Tatar. You know, if you can sort of chip in, score 20 goals, uh, sort of play on the power play, fill in for not only Pacioretty, but Galchenyuk uh, on that half wall, then, you know, job done. But, you know, even though Bergevin and Molson yesterday in the press conference, yesterday being uh, the day they dealt Pacioretty, uh, you know, they sort of mentioned that the Canadians aren't rebuilding, they're just retooling. I, I think realistically, you know, if you were to ask Bergevin or Molson deep down, they would say that, yeah, they are rebuilding. And, you know, Thomas Tatar is really just a stopgap until the next generation takes over. So in that vein, then, like, so the real fish out there that they got in this deal is Nick Suzuki. So I think that's the key to this deal here. So let's talk about Suzuki. And like, personally, I'm a fan of his. I think he's like like somebody who can put up a back-to-back triple digit seasons in the OHL. Like that translates to the NHL. He's a center iceman, which you already alluded to how, like how badly they need that. And, uh, you know, 5'11", a buck 83. And uh, this guy, I think has a oodles of potential. And I think, Habs fans should be excited about him. With Kotkaniemi, you slide him into the second slot and then Paling on the third. Now, all of a sudden, when you thought, oh, just Paling's there and you're kind of like, oh, well, that's not really like a solution. Um, but now that you have like these three guys, sure, all of them will may not hit. But now you can count on maybe at least one uh, of those hitting, yeah. maybe two if you're lucky. If you to both of them, two, two of them hit, 
then you're a contender. Oh, absolutely. Right so, well, absolutely. I, I think, think um, I think it was a smart get. They sounded like they wanted Velarde from the Kings. And uh, I think maybe uh, Suzuki's not quite there, but he has a chance to maybe even be better. Well, so what are your thoughts on it? People are saying he's been, like slow, but then um, and small on the smaller side. And but uh, but you look at a lot of players in the NHL these days that are small and like Alex Debrinka, he can get around the ice. And but it's the hockey smarts that get for sure. Around. I mean, I think size nowadays is sort of less important. Um, you know, I, I I haven't seen Suzuki play really much at all. I don't, was he at the World Junior? I don't think year? he was at the World Junior. Yeah, so I don't, to be honest, I can't even remember him playing. I may have watched him with uh, Golden Knights in the preseason last year. Mm. Uh, you know, they had some uh, pretty flashy preseason games last year. Um, but, you know, I think uh, with Suzuki, um, there's some question marks about his skating as well. I've been reading Corey Pondon's uh, scouting reports as well, but he does marvel at Nick Suzuki's uh, overall skill set. So, you know, if you've got skills, you can play. Um, you're right. I think the Canadians finally, for the longest, you know, for as long as I can remember, they, they finally have depth um, amongst their prospects at center. And that's something that the Canadians haven't had. That's what something that uh, critics of the Canadians have been, uh, you know, lamenting on over the last couple decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they finally have it. And I think Kakanyemi, Palin, Suzuki, I mean, they're not sort of elite of the elite. They're not Austin Matthews or Zach Hughes, or sorry, uh, Jack Eichel or uh, Jack Hughes or anything like that. Can Kakanyemi get up into a level? Like, um, you know, Barkov uh, wasn't expected to be anything yeah, that came out of nowhere. And well, yeah. I mean, hopefully. I mean, uh, you know. He, his shot is nasty. For sure. Yeah. His shot uh, is supposed to be exceptional. His playmaking is uh his puck skills seem to be okay uh there's some questions about his skating apparently he moves a little bit awkwardly i watched the uh i watched parts of the two uh canadians games uh this weekend in Laval uh on television and kakinyemi looked good he looked a bit raw at times he took a couple of foolish penalties um he got pushed off the puck a couple times but uh, i think uh, all in all you can sort of see he does have uh, some skill um is he going to be – I mean, it's hard to put too much pressure on this kid. He's, he just turned 18. Um, you know, I, nobody yeah. really heard of him up until a few months ago. So um, we'll see. I, I sort of hope that he goes back to Finland this year, uh, plays in SM Liga, and uh, sort of has a prominent role with uh, that team in, uh, in Pori in, in Finland. And uh, Joel Armia is a good – Yeah, they were – yeah, so I saw – Saw pictures of uh, Kakinyemi and Joel Armia uh, when Kakinyemi was a kid. Joel Armia was playing for Asat in Finland, and Asat won the title. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, there's some photos of him at the parade or yeah. uh, in the dressing room. And Kakinyemi, yeah. his dad, was actually one of the coaches with uh, that yeah. Asat team. Uh, brought just very in. But yeah, so, let's uh, let's get back to the trade here. So they have to get a second round pick. So overall. You know, as a Habs fan, would you say this is a win for the Montreal Canadiens? Yeah, so it's, you know, I think overall it, it is a win for the Canadians. I think they, uh, like let's like I mentioned it earlier, like let's not kid ourselves. This team is not winning the Stanley Cup. So if this team is not winning the Stanley Cup, they need to do everything that they can to try and optimize their chances going forward. 
Um, locking up Pacioretty would not have done that. My feeling is that in Montreal, he would have probably declined. And, you know, as we've sort of seen in the past, uh, certainly over the last few years, if you lock up players over the age of 30 to long-term deals, they end up being deals that you regret. So from that sense, I'm actually happy the Canadians uh, got younger. They got, uh, well, younger in Suzuki and Tatar, I guess. Um, and they were able to get some sort of return from ex Um In terms of uh, am I happy uh, as a Canadians fan? That's hard to say. I think it would make me much happier if Mark Bergerman wasn't the general manager. Oh, um, wow. Well, I mean, you know, we don't need to harp on it, but essentially he's, you know, when he took over in 2012, the Canadians had P.K. Subban, Max Pacioretty, Carey Price, all entering their prime. He just drafted third overall, Alex Galchenyuk. And the sky was up, you know, he had all those players. That ended Chenyuk. up being a bad draft, though. Well, yeah, but he he had the cards there to have a competitive team. And, you know, the Canadians did have competitive teams under Bergeron and really uh, just under one fell swoop. Uh, well, not under one fell swoop, but after repeated mistakes, he's alienated uh, some of his longstanding players like Andre Markov. He wasn't able to get to terms with Alex Radulov. Um, he alienated those guys. Uh, he alienated P.K. Subban. And, you know, I think that deal... And he really, alienated Max Pacioretty. And, and he alienated Max Pacioretty. So, yeah, so his it's funny, like, for a guy that harps on character, uh, who wants players with good attitudes, uh, you know, I think Mark Bergerman has proven over the last uh, three, four years that, in fact, he's the one that has been showing. It's to not have a leadership a by attitude. example. Absolutely, there's no doubt. You know, I think we all think we can be good communicators. We, you know, we all think that we have good communication skills, but I think the proof is in the pudding. And we sort of see, for example, Lars Eller a couple weeks ago sort of came out in defense of Max Pacioretty after the Pacioretty golf tournament, which suggests that you know there that may have been awkward, some tension. Man. Yeah, so it suggests that you know. There's some ex-Canadians now that sort of are, you know, uh, sort of reveling in the fact that the Canadians have unraveled. So I think that's all come under Mark Bergevin's watch. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of nerves amongst Canadians fans that Bergevin was going to make the wrong move with Pacioretty. I think in a way it's, I'm happy he made the movie did, but ideally Bergevin wouldn't be making decisions. Um, but it is, it's where we're at. So that's, that's the situation. Okay, so let's uh, talk about the Vegas side of the deal. And, uh, you know, I just I just find it so funny that last year it, Vegas had everything going for it. It had the clean slate. Every other team in the league has baggage like crazy, um, has bad contracts, bad deals. They're trying to chase a former glory. Vegas had a clean slate, and they came out and they ripped it up. And then after just one year of going to the finals, they're already chasing the, future, the chasing the present, chasing the past, and trying to get what they lost. And they're not keeping their eyes on the long game, which I was actually a little bit excited. They got Glass, Suzuki, Brandstrom. Looked like they had some talent that they're building like from the ground up. And sure, they're an exciting team for sure. They're going to be good. But as we were talking about earlier, like getting Max Pretzer ready, you know, might be a good fit for them, but. For Thomas Tatar, people say, oh, sunk cost, it shouldn't be counted. But at the end of the day, Thomas Tatar was a first, a second, and a third cost him. And then they're also giving up Suzuki, who was a first, not just a first, he was like 13th overall. 
and um, and 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 Suzuki basically has already proven that he's legit for another year post draft. So he's even better than first. Plus, you throw in a third. That's five assets for Max Pacioretty, and they let David Perron and James Neal walk. Which what's the incremental gain on Pacioretty versus Neal? So I think Pacioretty's better, but again, like yeah. 10, 15 goals for five assets. Like I realize they have a lot of like assets, so it's so that's good for them. But doesn't mean they should just throw it to the wind. Like if I'm another GM right now, I'm calling Vegas because they're just will, willy nilly want to hand out these draft picks. For sure, I think the counterpoint to the Suzuki deal is uh, Suzuki and a second, which they traded which essentially they traded to the Canadians. Uh, they got from Columbus for taking William Carlson. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so basically they got Carlson Suzuki in a second for the, for basically the, the cost of not taking Josh Anderson. Yeah. From the, from and the taking Dragons. Carlson instead. Yeah. 40 goal score. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, I, I, I do agree. They have given up a lot of picks. It's wanted a lot of picks. Um, and you know, Max Pacioretty, there are question marks, right? I think he's, he has had some injuries over the last couple of years. Last year, he was injured for a bit. Um, he came off a terrible year, but what I will say actually with Pacioretty in Vegas. Why, in Vegas, I think he does have some potential to turn around. So one is that he's always kind of always been, uh, like a one shot scorer. Basically he's got an exceptional shot and can just pick up loose pucks and put them in the net. And um, and the thing is, in Montreal, he's never actually had a number one center to play with. And uh, for the bulk of Pacioretty's career, he was playing with David DeHarnay. And yet, and even with DeHarnay, he put up 35, 39 goals one year. Um, so playing with... Uh, and that year, wasn't Gerard Gallant the assistant coach yeah, for Montreal? So yeah, exactly. maybe he's... Uh... Patch already whispered. Yeah, so Gallant uh, absolutely was uh, there when the Canadians went to the Eastern Conference Final, um, and those were some of Patcharetti's best years um, in the NHL thus far. Um, he has an actual centerman to play with, you know, presumably Paul Stassi. Stassi, they're saying second line. Yeah, so with uh, actual centerman, with uh, with the coach that he's familiar with, and I think there's no doubt that. Pacioretty was afflicted by the captaincy in Montreal. Um, I think, again, we're not in the dressing room. We're not able to see him on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, I've watched a lot of the sort of uh, post-game comments, a lot of the uh, interviews that Pacioretty did. And, you know, his expression really did change. And, uh, you know, he seemed quite stressed. There was an interview last year when the Canadians went through a slump in California at the start of the year last year. Uh, Pacioretty basically just poured it out and said that, you know, maybe he's not the right leader for the Canadians. Um, so you could sort of tell that the captaincy was weighing a little bit on him and going to a market where there's really no pressure, there's no media, um, you know, I think that'll, it's probably the perfect spot for Pacioretty. Uh, but it is interesting, you know, like the, uh, the Knights are t- a team that, uh, uh, well, I think the NHL in general is going towards uh, players under the age of 25. You know, if you've got boatload of players under the age of 25, that means you're going to be a competitive team. Uh, the Knights have now committed long-term to two players that are over the age of 30. And uh, that seems to be a little bit counter to what uh, the direction the NHL is going. So that's going to be a little bit interesting to see. But I think there are some optimistic signs for Pacioretty, at least for the next year or two, uh, where you know it wouldn't surprise me if he did put up anywhere from 30 to 40 goals uh, once again. 
But it'll be interesting to see how quickly Vegas will accumulate this baggage I was talking about of taking on these older player contracts and kind of not having that clean slate, like filling it up and seeing, it'll be interesting to see what the reaction from the fans would be if they don't get off to such a hot start, which I don't think they will because Nate Schmidt is a key defenseman for them. He's out for the first 20 game, rightly or wrongly suspended for PED. For having mm-hmm. one billionth of a percentage of uh, you don't you don't buy his uh, you don't buy his excuse. No, I just said that's what it was. That he had one billion. No, I'm saying that it was yeah. a very low amount. So um, either way, it's going to impact Vegas. Last year they had a cupcake schedule. I don't know if others noticed, but in the first like two months, they had like a two days off between every single game. Yeah, and their team they were playing was like on back to backs, like. The NHL lined it up for the yeah, amount of great right year. So a lot of the teams probably didn't know how to handle Vegas in terms of, you know, what to allow their players to do. Um, second time around now, you know, teams are not going to be caught off guard. Um, I think a lot of it depends on Mark Andre Fleury as well. So I mean, he missed a big part of last year, of course. Uh, I don't know how they got through with uh, the goalkeepers they had because uh, they rotated through a a bunch of them at the start of the year. But, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury, the glass slipper fell off a little bit uh, in the Stanley Cup final. And he's older goalie, of course. Um, you never know how long these old goalies are going are gonna to perform for. And he also signed a contract uh, extension, I think, uh, this summer. So... Um, and what we know from Max Pacioretty being, you know, patty already and not really bringing the playoffs. I don't know if, like, he's had a great playoffs. Um, yeah. Maybe there was maybe one year in there that he uh, had a decent playoffs. I remember. But like, if, yeah. are the, is Vegas thinking that you know, if, if we go to back to the finals last year, if we had Pacioretty instead of Neil and Perron, you put in Stastny. Like, do they think they win the, win the cup? Like, I don't know. I don't think. I don't like, know. How much will uh, Pacioretty become afflicted by the lure of the patio in <laughs> Vegas, the Vegas nightlife? Yeah, I think it's a bit of a bad route. Like, I think Max Pacioretty has always been a a pro, um, you know, a pro. He definitely had a lot of pressure in Montreal. Um, I, you know, I think the year uh, the Canadians uh, made it to the conference final, I think there was a few goals that he scored that year against Tampa, particularly, I remember. Um, you know, and he, he was a pivotal player, no doubt. Um, but certainly the the last playoff that he had left a sour taste in the mouths of a lot of Canadians fans. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard. I think the, in the Western Conference, every team is competitive. Uh, you know, I don't know, like they're in the Pacific Division. Uh, Pacific Division is uh, was hasn't been the strongest in the last few years, but it, it's not a bad division. Um, it, it's going to be a dogfight, I think. And uh, I agree. I think uh, Golden Knights can be found out a little bit. Um, and I am here for it. I am absolutely here for it. Oh, wow. You just don't <laughs> like Cinderella stories, I guess. Although it's hard I to mean, say that there's Cinderella. every other franchise <laughs> has had years and years of suffering and turmoil. Like, why? Why? Why should they come along and uh, win right away? I think it was really cute. Last year, they went to the finals. It was, like, a very adorable, very cute. But enough is enough, okay? Let's come back down to earth. Yeah, and they all I would, agree. And I would not give me any more joy than I think, to see uh, them have a season from hell and see what those fans are. They going to support them now? Huh? Well, if they have a bad year, they, I mean, they know, have they, the itch. So that's they became that's a novelty act for sure last year. There's that talk they unified uh, the city, especially after the the terrorist attack uh, on the first of October last year. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I still think they'll probably get the novelty crowd. 
whether they win or lose. It's a thing to do in Vegas now. It's on the strip. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I just, uh, I'm one of those guys that kind of felt like uh, it's, it doesn't seem right that the six first year team is in the Stanley like Cup final, even though they played, they played the right way, they yeah. played up tempo, yeah. they played, uh, you know, uh, really um, exciting hockey. Uh, you know, I'm, as a hockey traditionalist, I think I'm, uh, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't shed a tear if the Golden Knights lost. That's you and me both, buddy. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, we'll be watching. So thanks for listening.